That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hello and welcome to Content Incapable, where I try to figure out what it really means to adult. Today I spoke to Scotty McDonald all about his life telling stories in and around Brisbane and the importance that they've had on his life as he's become an adult. Welcome to Content and Capable, Scotty. It's really lovely to have you. It's great to be here. And can I say, stop not to ruin the magic of podcasting, but this is a very professional, this is the most professional podcast that I've been on. So, I do have to give a big shout out to my friend, Christina, who um, helped me with all the the documents that you've seen on your end um, that I've sent to you and and little bits and pieces. Um, We, you know, if... If it's too hard to jump on a podcast, people won't want to jump on again. And we want we want as many people to get into podcasting as possible. Very true. Agree. Agree with you 100%. So, thank you for the work you're mm. doing to grow podcasting. <laughs> um, well, um, Scotty, normally when I have people um, on the podcast, uh, I, at least my regular listeners kind of know who they are uh, and maybe you know i've got an explanation you know for last week i had my brother on because he was my brother and i've been threatening for him to be on the podcast for a while <laughs> but um who are you like if you know if you had to explain who you are to someone who how would you explain that um that's you know what i used to have a really succinct answer for this but i think the last couple of years my life has changed at such a rapid pace that I probably don't have the succinct answer. But in a nutshell, what I want to be known for is a storyteller who tells stories that are important and um, makes people feel things, whether that's passionate, excited, uh, to reconsider their position on something. But at a really practical level, I am a father of one, um, a husband of one also. Um, I'm a social media producer for um, 10 News in Queensland and more or less across um, the country. I work with the wider team, which I haven't done since July because I've been on paternity leave. Um, Ten have an amazing paternity leave thing that we all get yeah. a really amazing amount of paternity leave. But that's what I do when I'm- That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's actually incredible. So, that's what I do when I'm not on paternity leave. But I've, um, I've done, like the last 12 years, I've dabbled in a heap of stuff. I've um, been on the radio- produced a couple of radio shows um and i've been a youth worker in the midst of that it's been a it's been a really interesting like 15 years since i graduated high school yeah i was doing a quick peruse um while we were messaging um i think of your website and bits and pieces and i was like wow you've just done like so much you know other like awesome stuff as well you know um you know, I remember as a kid listening to you on the radio, as we mentioned in our messages, but like, um, you know, you've done all this other awesome work, which I just, you know, I can't believe you've managed to fit that all in the last 12 years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like very much a top level. Like, I've done a lot of things without kind of going too deep um, mm. on any of them, but it's been, yeah, it's like I've had some really cool opportunities and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is I've just been in the right place at the right time and, and had access to cool opportunities. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned you're a social media manager for 10 years, which, you know, for anyone who 
doesn't live in Australia is one of the three major networks here in uh, here. Um, how uh, how did you get into that position? What kind of led up into getting to that position? So I have been. I think I think you're going to relate to what I say next. I've been obsessed with news for as long as I can. Remember. There's just something about the nature of news, particularly breaking news, that I just find really addictive. Um, but when, from when I was about seven, I wanted to work in radio, and so that's kind of where I ended up going. Um, still with this bent of news in the back of my mind, and I think entertainment mm-hmm. radio, which is where I ended up, doesn't necessarily put you in the greatest position to hone that news craft. And I managed to be on air during the Brisbane floods in 2011. And that just was like a heartbreaking, but such a incredibly eye-opening experience broadcasting through something like that. And that kind of then switched it of like, this is what I want to do. This is the kind of, um, this is the kind of media I want to do. Um, and mm-hmm. so then I didn't do that. And over the next couple of years, that's when I was a youth worker. And then following that, I um, went to work at what is now B105, but what was at the time Hit 105, um, Mm -hmm. was very close with their news department, was very obsessive about talking to their news department about news, um, but ended up as their social media dude. And then when the job came up at 10, I was like, this is it. Like, I have to get this job. I have to work in the newsroom. I have to transfer my current skill set to their newsroom because I just need to I need to do this I need to work in news and um did like one of the best lessons I learned from applying for that job was I did everything right that you should do when applying for a job like I spent ages working through that job application um and I think it paid off wow and i suppose you would have done like all the research and as well like before you even went you know, even got to an interview stage 100 as well 100 and they I- that was not long after um 10 had been acquired by cbs so i mm. um so they're owned by a big international entertainment company um after yeah. a really rocky a uh, couple of years that got them there. And so I knew inside out what they were doing. I was seeing a podcast with the news director, just anything I could find out so that when I walked in there, I was like, I know exactly who you are and I know exactly where I fit into this. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that sounds like everything, right? Like I, um, I'm currently applying for a couple of jobs at the moment, trying to shift further closer towards a paying journalism gig because- that's the the aim for me. And I turned around and I realized, you know, realized that, you know, you've got to do those things because people really, really appreciate it. And sometimes I do it automatically. Like there are points where I've, you know, just obsessively compulsively been researching something. And then, you know, other points where I've got turned around, walked away from job interviewing, gone, I could have done a lot more research there. One of the key things that I've learned, if there's one lesson that I've really learned in the last 15 years, it's that you, like, they can teach you how to be a journalist. They can teach you how Mm -hmm. to chase a story. They can teach you how to write a story. But what they can't teach you is passion. And so, if you have that, if you walk in there and they're like, you know what, this person is the worst journalist we've ever met, but man, he's passionate about it. You're... Mm -hmm not necessarily guaranteed the job, but you're on a far better front foot than someone who might tick all the boxes, but is just so cynical and thinks that they deserve yeah. to be in the room. 
Yeah, no, definitely. You mentioned the 2011 floods. And, you know, now that I reflect on it, um, the 2011 floods were quite a big thing. I was, I think it was just to the point where I was conscious enough to be aware of what was happening. Um, not that I was a baby or anything, but it was, you know, kind of like that 11, 12 years old where you go, oh, oh, yes, no, this is, you know, something that is important and, you know, something that I should remember. And that is probably, you know, where I, you know, realized my addiction for news as well. Um, that's, you know, amazing. It, it was, um, um I, yeah, it, it's, it's actually really funny. I was talking, another friend of mine and I are both quite media and news obsessed. And we were having this conversation really recently about how kind of going through the 2011 floods, you think this will be the biggest news event we ever cover. This, Mm -hmm. and if Brisbane floods again, it'll be the biggest news event we ever cover. But then the last two years has just really added a whole new layer on that. Like, it's like, well, what was... Because I think the floods were huge and they were impacting and and people died and people lost their homes and it was really horrific. Mm. But kind of within the months that followed, we managed to get over it get over it in inverted commas. Like, life managed to restore to normality. Um, Whereas the last two years has just never gotten anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just crazy. And, you know, in the context of Brisbane, you know, um, we were, I was in a lecture when Brisbane got announced as the 2032, um, you know, Olympics. Olympics host. And, you know, I was really excited about it because I know that that is something that's going to be huge and amazing and great for everything here in Brisbane. But, um, my professor turned around and said, look at the international headlines. And it's interesting because people still view Brisbane as like this country town, which, you know, admittedly, you know, there are aspects of Brisbane that are like a country town, but then there are other aspects of Brisbane. You turn around and you go, yeah, that's a city. But I like, I mean, I, my greatest issue with Brisbane is that like every restaurant says kitchen closes late and by late they mean 7.30. So, mate, I haven't even started getting hungry at 7.30. Like, like, this is, this forever for me is the fact that Brisbane struggles so hard to sustain any kind of actual nightlife that isn't going to a nightclub. Yeah. Is this is, and yeah. this, I'll tell you what, this is my thing. If something's going to change in tw- by 2032, it'd want to be that. Where do you want to <laughs> be in 2032? Obviously, as soon as that was announced. So, I'll tell you where I was when that was announced. I was in hospital, uh, not me personally. It was about a week after my daughter was born. Um, oh. and, and we were... Um, at the Marta Mothers, just up the road from where everyone was celebrating. Um, and I yeah. thought, geez, we're not going to forget this anytime soon. But obviously, you were at uni when that was announced. As a mm. journalism student, where do you want to be during 2032? I'd love to be right where it's happening. Uh, my, like, my, where I'd love to be is right in the thick of it, whether that is, you know, covering a sport or, you know, being, you know, just roaming and doing interviews, you know, around, in and around, writing stories for Brisbane by someone from Brisbane on a world event that is happening in Brisbane. You know, this is the biggest thing that's happened since, really, since Expo 88 to Brisbane. Um, and the amount, we want as much coverage as we can so that, you know, I would love to see, you know, stories about, you know, local businesses in South Bank that, have, you know, really benefited from, you know, sport and more tourism and growth uh, in the area and, you know, stories about, you know, new areas of Brisbane being developed. I come from Moreton Bay um, and 
Morton Bay is barely ever in the news, except for yesterday when the NRL announced the new team, um, which happens to be from Redcliffe. Um, did you but, see the why? You know, did you see any of the why reporting that was like uh, the team, which is currently in Morton Bay, comma Brisbane? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Look, um, I I have a love hate relationship with the Wire, unfortunately, um, because um, because you know I use some of their stories for the show that I run on Four Triple Z. I kind of have to use them, and then and then you know they write something like that, and it's like mm, you get your facts straight, please. Um, but yes, no, like you know. Aspects like Morton Bay, you know, I've been discussing with family and friends and other journalists about, you know, what will the Olympics bring to, you know, Morton Bay and the Sunshine Coast and the north of Brisbane, which chronically is terrible for a lot of things. You know, I currently live on the north side of Brisbane. I'm a north sider through and through. And I hate the public transport. I hate the fact that, you know, there is almost nothing here and you go and everything's on the south side. Um, and then, you, you know, what will the Olympics do to change that? And, you know, kind of my parents were in Sydney for Sydney 2000 mm. uh, and working there. And they say, you know, the changes that we saw in Sydney were uh, so amazing. And, you know, we're going to see that in Brisbane and we're really excited for it. So, so what's the actual goal? Like, obviously, that's 2032. But who do you want to work for? I don't know. And this is like a weird... Um, like a weird aside, you know, there are, to be honest, I'm, I'm still trying to decide whether what medium I want to be working in. I've been working in radio for the past two years and I've been loving it. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, there's like a desire to then also, you know, work in TV news and then, you know, written news as well. And, and, you know, really properly explore and figure out, you know, whether, you know, I definitely have a passion for all three. I love all aspects of the news, but which one I would love the most. So who's um on a on a world scale, I don't care if they're local or international, but on a world scale, who is reporting the news the best in 2021, in your opinion? Oh, that's a hard one. I think unfortunately, um, it's a combination. I think the the written stories award would, for me would go to the ABC. The ABC does some excellent written reporting. I think um, the video stories would go. I um, I wouldn't be sure. It's a toss up between Channel Nine and Channel Ten for me. Um, You're only saying I don't because think- I work at Ten. <laughs> I worked. I did some work experience at Win News on the Sunshine Coast many years ago. Yeah, um, and. Um, they're a really lovely team. There. You're probably working awesome with stories. people who are now in yeah. my newsroom. Oh wow! Oh, that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> um, but or, uh, and then for like radio and things, it really depends on what news you want to focus on. Like you know, for me, news in news on a like a national scale. I think the ABC does some excellent reporting, but then on like a local scale that, you know, things like four triple Z do a really, really great job of making sure that the small stories that wouldn't be picked up by a huge news organization because they've got to cover both the national and the local stories, um, are covered so much better and with so much more depth and breadth, um, on someone that is dedicated to that. Totally. And you know each each you know thing in Brisbane has its place, and which is amazing. Mm, yeah, totally. And that and that's I think the beauty of community radio. 
um, mm. that, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's yeah. why we yeah. need a community media sector. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I've just been, you know, reading up on community media for a, an, a quiz that I had to do. And um, as much as the academics argue about it, they all, like, turn around and go, yeah, it's important, which is nice. It's nice to see that, you know, the place in which I work at the moment is considered <laughs> important. Very true. Um, I um, only really recently, you know, found, well, re-found out about you um, when uh, I discovered you on TikTok. Mm. Um, what, like, what inspired you to make all these, like, Brisbane, you know, cool Brisbane stories TikToks? This is a paternity leave answer again. So, I was on, um, I got this great block of paternity leave and I Mm. thought I really want to create something in this time. I want to achieve something in this time. I want to do something in this time. And I love telling the stories of Brisbane. I love Brisbane. Um, And I just, I was just like, I'll just chuck one up there and see what happens. And it was about, mm. there's a lot of um, former bomb shelters that are just used as street furniture now around Brisbane. And so, I just did a thing about that and it blew up. And I was like, okay, I'll see if I can ride this wave. And so, at the time, I think I had 300 followers and I was like, let's go on a journey to 1,000. And that happened really fast, like within days. And yeah. then, oh, let's go on a journey to 10,000. And so, that's just happened. So, that took a month. Um, and so, I think there were kind of two things going on there. There was like, uh, I've always, wanted to develop some persona as the voice of Brisbane. Like the guy that covers Brisbane content was number one. And then number two, I was like, man, I'm a social media producer, but we're so in news strategy now as we should be at work that I kind of Mm. don't give myself the opportunities to do things and to explore platforms really well anymore. Um, and so I just wanted to see what it took to grow a profile on TikTok and to quote unquote viral videos on TikTok, which I don't, I wouldn't class any of them necessarily as being viral. I think viral is a million mm-hmm. views plus, but um, just learning that and, and aiming for that niche is really big. Um, so that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely something interesting. I've seen a lot of companies explore, you know, trying to, have growth on TikTok. Um, there's a divide at, at my place at the moment. I'm living with my brother mm. and um, he's an Instagram Reels person and I'm a TikTok person. And, you know, it's very interesting to see, um, you know, how they both work slightly differently as well. I like... I'm I'm okay with making big calls. I'm always scared about how wrong they're going to be and when they're on public record like this that it's going to come back. Yeah. I think we're... See- I think... Instagram has peaked and I think we're on Instagram's decline. I don't see that app coming back. Um, I'm I'm all but done with Instagram. Again, get ready for me to, in a year's time, take that back and be like, how great's Instagram, everyone? Um, But I'm all but done with it for for two reasons. The first one being Facebook have tried to shove so many ideas into that app. Every time somebody Mm -hmm. launches a new thing, Facebook seemed to go, let's copy that and just put it in Instagram. Um, yeah. Which, geez, I hope I don't ever apply for a job at Facebook. And um, number two <laughs> reason is that, and this is the main reason, this is the main mm-hmm. problem I have with Instagram. Everyone leaning close now because this is a big problem I have. They won't let me do reels longer than 30 seconds. That I'm so mad about that. I, I'm, on a, I'm on a older account. Like I signed up to Instagram in the early days. And so it takes them forever to roll things out to me. Yeah. And I haven't got one minute reels. And um, as a result, I'm not uploading content there. 
and I'm not getting those sweet, sweet likes that wake me up in the morning. Yeah, no, I I don't think I can upload. I've got a newer account, I think, in the grand scheme of things, but um, I can't upload more than 30 seconds, I think. Yeah. Um, actually, I created a brand new account once I was like, I'm going to separate my professional and my personal yeah. life. You know, how'd it go? I don't think everyone needs to see, you know, my family every five seconds. Um, but yes, it's, you know, uh, I definitely think that Instagram is on the decline. It's, uh, I think people made comments about this when they started incorporating, you know, things like, um, stories and bits and pieces, which, you know, worked mildly successfully. And then, you know, IGTV came and then the whole shopping function. And then as soon as we got to the, um, you know, the reels and stuff. I was like, yeah, this is they're really running out. Um, this is, you know. One of the really interesting things that I learned recently, I was in a, in a seminar with um, someone from TikTok and they were talking about, mm-hmm. so Instagram is a true social media app. It's designed for you to yeah. post things and for people to comment and share with you and to be social with you. TikTok regard mm-hmm. themselves as an entertainment app. So TikTok see their competitors as YouTube, Fortnite, Netflix, things that you go wow. to to be entertained by so they they quite publicly and who knows what it's like internally but quite publicly they say that facebook instagram twitter aren't competitors of theirs or if they are they're competitors and kind of a a lesser block whereas they Mm. so they have a longer on platform time please nobody research this because i'm basically just trying to remember what i heard about a year ago but they have a longer on platform time for teenagers in australia than netflix does so that's to them that's what they care about And when you look at how you use TikTok and when you look at how content gets served to you on TikTok, it's less about people you know and seeing what's happening in their life and more about things that you'll find entertaining. And that's the world that they exist in. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, the whole... There's so many different, like, niches on TikTok as well. It's almost like Netflix, but less you have to make a decision and more the decisions made for you based on the decisions you've made. Oh, please. Um... In terms of like your, you know, why Brisbane? Why not? You know, obviously you you and I have both grown up here in Brisbane, but like, you know, have you ever had the desire, you know, maybe I should go move to Sydney or Melbourne or even like overseas? No, not not, so overseas. Yes. Um, I don't think there's really anywhere else in Australia that I would live. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, New York has definitely always been. That's something that we, my wife and I have talked a little bit about. Um, being something that we do eventually. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Brisbane, I don't know. I just really like Brisbane. I really enjoy it as a city um, other than the inability to get things late at night. I just think it's such a beautiful part of the world um, and it is really filled with such interesting people and interesting stories and people who really bat above their average. Mm, um, yeah. And it's it's the lifestyle. Like you just can't fault it. There just I just can't think that there would be many places with the lifestyle that we have in Brisbane in terms of the weather and um, what's on our doorstep and all of that for sure. Oh yeah, like oh, you know, in the second week of the school holidays, my family went. You know, we're like we're gonna go camping, and uh, we literally drove for thirty minutes and then camped and mm. and you know had three days of bliss, thirty minutes away from home, and then you know. But then we, we went up, you know, drove up an hour and a half up to Coolham and spent the weekend there as well. And it's like, you know, you don't get to do that in many other places, um, which I find, you know, amazing. And I think that is a testament to how beautiful, like how amazing where we live is. Totally. Totally. Yeah. In terms of like, 
working in the news, have you like ever had any formal training with like news or did you, you know, just go into no. it going, I've got an eye I'm- for this? I'm the, I'm the, like, I'm as fresh as fresh can be. So, I have no tertiary education. So, I walked out of high school. Um, I was already working. So, when I was 17, I was working at B105, um, which was really cool. And so, then I was going to go and study journalism. But actually, nursing and journalism, they were the two things that I was tossing up between. But then when I started working at 105, I just, that was like um, uni deferred for a year. And then I just never did it. I just kind of um, moved my way through radio and learned some things and made a lot of mistakes there. Mm. Um, And yeah, that was, then it just kind of became a succession of things. And so, I think, I hope now my resume probably speaks enough but definitely like um up until really my late 20s i knew that there was a deficit of education that meant that i had to really prove that i was the right person for the job but i think one of the biggest um one of the biggest things with media is that if you can show that you can do the work and you can prove that you're the right person for the job that will often be taken more seriously than what's written on your yeah, no, definitely. I think I think we're shifting, like, even at university, they're kind of shifting away from this formal education about, you know, particular things. You know, I don't do a Bachelor of Journalism. I do a Bachelor of Communications, majoring in journalism. Mm. And so, you know, that, that shift away from, you know, tertiary education is now not uh, a way to get into... It is still a way to get into, you know, mm. those industries, but is another way to get into um, more critical thinking. And I, I really enjoyed the, the critical thinking aspect of being at university and having to, you know, really critically analyse what my peers and what, you know, my seniors are doing and then adjust and, you know, make things work out of it. And, you know, a couple of other, you know, weird anecdotes, you know, the journalism department is never the most well-funded part. And so, it's great watching, you know, my lecturers and unit coordinators be really, like, resourceful with what they've got in front of them, which is, you know, amazing to see as well. And I think as well as that, it introduces you to people and gives you opportunities that Mm. you wouldn't be able to do. As well, it shows employers that you can commit to something, you can get something. I remember the first, my first, um, the first story I had to write for our website i was what the heck have i got myself in like i like the last like thing i wrote that was long form and graded was for an english class 10 years ago what the heck have i gotten myself into and then you're just like madly searching for things and then i found i found the like the pyramid that tells you in what order to order things i was like great this is all i need printed that out stuck it on my desk had no idea what i was doing had a sub editor that was like okay good try mate yeah. We'll give you another story to write tomorrow. But but that was like, that was probably the first day in 10 years after school where I was like, man, I wish I went to uni. Yeah, I definitely think that like the writing aspect, my brother. So, I've got two younger brothers who are a year younger than me. So, they finished school at the end of last twins? year. Twins, yeah. Redhead twins. It's a handful. Like, it's identical. Like are they identical? They're identical twins. Okay, which is... I've got questions. I've got questions. Oh, okay, far um, away. Do you feel like they have a like secret friendship that you're not allowed anywhere near? Like, is that? Do they gang up on you and stuff? It is my pet peeve. Their secret Amazing. friendship because 
I'm 17 months older than them. And so we're, you know, us three are quite close. I'm the eldest of 10 children. So you like, you've got little, little cliques of, you know, siblings. And so, you know, us older three, we've experienced a lot together, but yet they seem to talk a lot more than I do with them. Yeah. And I am always consistently frustrated that, you know, Yes, you know, they're twins. Obviously, they're a lot closer. But why can't I be involved with this as well? Yeah. Um, but uh, when they graduated, they decided to do two completely different things. And, you know, dealing with my brothers as like split personalities. I've got like a really quiet, reserved one twin. And the other twin is very loud and will voice his opinions straight away um, and doesn't care what other people think. And... It's very, like, you've got to be very different in your approach if you want to, like, ask a favor or something because, you know, they react very differently. But um, the the loud one went to Alice Springs. He got a surveying job over in Alice Springs and he moved wow. there. Um, and it, you know, uh, it was, you know, really interesting to see he left school um, and went straight into that. And then now he's, his boss asked him to write, like, a... A reflection on the last year of his work in you know surveying um and you know what he plans and for the future uh and he spent two months writing 800 or not even 800 words i think it was like 500 words mm. and he struggled through every second of it and like i understand he you know none of us are particularly good at english you know i struggle to write academic essays still um but what I found was amazing was that he'd like completely lost that skill to be able to just push through and keep going. Whereas my brother and I, who went straight into university out of school, we, you know, we still got that, that little bit of a skill, you know, just to push through and then, you know, come back and fix it up later. Yeah, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's, the, and but I even noticed like my, like my spelling and grammar are shocking. Spelling's probably fine but grammar is just like like i for everything i write i use pro writing aid or grammarly and mm-hmm. just let them pick up the issues and teach me things i didn't previously know oh yeah 100 percent. i can't i would not live without spell check especially because i wasn't i'm still not a very good typist i'm a lot better than i used to be but you know i was writing a couple of paragraphs for uh, an article that i've got due on monday and you know, the, you know, there was like full phrases that was just had the red squiggly line underneath it because every word was spelt wrong, um, which I think is a really dangerous assumption to have with people working in the media because people work, who work in the media don't have perfect handwriting, perfect grammar and spelling and mastery over the English language, which- No, definitely yeah. not. I, and and, I, they're, and they're, on, they're on deadlines and mm. I, like I see stuff, I see stuff written on news websites all the time and people crack up about, oh, you know, like they wrote this wrong or the way they describe this isn't entirely accurate. And I'm like, mm. man, they're a journalist that's having to pump out eight stories today because their newsroom has shafted the other 40 journalists that work there. Like, yeah. and you're complaining about the fact that you have to pay $3.25 a month to read that story. Like, what do you want? Like free quality? Quality news. Who's going to pay for it? Yeah, I, I, it's definitely something you know. And, and like, if, this is something that you know has been echoed to me. I've worked in you know in and around the music industry before, and I've worked in other creative industries. And the the main complaint is people expect us to work for free, but then we also need to pay the bills. You know how how is this supposed to happen at the same time? 
Yeah. I think, and I think that's the beauty of the creator economy. I think what we're seeing now is really, really exciting in terms of people being able to make money from what they create um, as opposed to just expecting. Oh, yeah, 100%. I I don't know whether you saw the Twitch leak a couple of weeks ago. Um, This is going to really date this episode. Um, But, you know, (laughs) the, you know, the top, you know, few hundred creators on that website their earnings were leaked, you know, and the top were earning like 13 million. And admittedly, that 13 million went to a huge creative team. But, you know, it goes to show that there are still places where that is supported, which is amazing. Um, How often are you releasing episodes? Every week. So, what? How, how many are you sitting on? Like, how far in advance are you sitting? So, I burned through my backlog uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had a bit of a mental health uh not episode, but just not good. Um, mm. So, I burned through... I think I had a backlog of about five or six episodes. And over the next two weeks, I'm building up my back, uh, backlog. So, um, this one will come out on um, Monday afternoon. And then Exciting. I've got, yeah. It's Thursday right now, by the way, everyone. It's Thursday. It's mid-morning. Um, it's dreary and rainy. If it's now a sunny Monday, just so you know, it's dreary and rainy. Yeah. But yeah, over the next few over the next few weeks, the aim is to like build up that backlog again, so then I can mm. you know either you know continue episodes. Hopefully, it's right up to Christmas, and then I'll take like a month or two off, uh, and then start the next year worth of content over again. Um, mm. you know, who else? Are, who who are you trying to get? Who uh, else is on? Who else is on Sam's hit list? My hit list. The hit list is long and varied. Um, Aussie streaming, which is this very interesting dynamic in like the whole gaming sector. If you like stream games, um, you know, as an Australian, because of our internet and how far away we are from the rest of the world, oftentimes it's, you know, it's a very different and a little bit isolated. Um, I have been trying to contact an author about book writing. Um, mm. I just finished writing a book. Oh yeah, so how I'll be did that go? To that episode, terrible, terrible, uh, <laughs> horrid. I um, learned. I learned. The, so the whole. The, sorry, just a tangent. On no, no, no. Tangents what, are awesome. What, what the author won't tangent. The whole like I am obsessed with this world of self-publishing. It's so interesting, mm. and there's like there are. There are more millionaires self-publishing than published authors who are millionaires because it's just like like such an interesting world. Anyway, everyone's always wanted to write a book. I started writing a book and I I have come to learn over the last three years I did everything wrong in that process of writing Mm. a book. Um, And so, it's taken me three years to write a 36,000 word novella. Um, But it's almost like almost up. Like we'll be published within weeks. Yeah. But- now I'm on to the second one and I'm doing everything right. And I'm hoping that three years will actually be more like four weeks for the second one. But it's inter- like incredibly interesting. And having, so my wife, so I sent it to a development editor to tell me that the story was okay. Yeah. And then now my wife is line editing it and she's like, why do you not use full stops? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we've got some real grammar issues. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm guilty of not using full stops as well. Um, yeah. Is one of your brothers the evil twin? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I won't say which because he'll get very offended. But he yeah. he knows he knows in my eyes he's the evil twin. Um, and yeah. um, it was interesting. I had an ethical issue yesterday in regards to a job I was applying for, uh, and I wanted to discuss it with someone. And both my parents were asleep. 
Um, like, it's the middle of the day. Um, I'm like, why are both my parents asleep? I should be asleep. Um, and so I called him and uh, I'm like, why am I asking you for ethical <laughs> advice? You know, why would I trust you with an ethical issue? Um, and then, like, um, young people who are in, like, traditionally old jobs, like, a lot of this, I want to find, like, you know, find people's passions and then talk about their passions in relation to their adulting, which is, you know, what we've been doing for the last little while. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing. The the stories I've heard and the, you know, awesome, you know, things that people have told me, um, I definitely, you know, the adult doll collecting episode with Carrie mm. um, was one of my favourites to record. She was just, you know... She's, you know, a a mother and a wife and has had this storied life um, and then still has this what, you know, people consider childish, you know, uh, hobby. And, you know, it was fascinating to me. I think there's a real, like, there's a real need for adults to remember the things they were passionate about, particularly Mm. as a teenager, because we're so passionate. in our teenage years about things and then life gets in the way and so that we end up in our 30s 40s 50s being like i don't even know who i am or what i stand for what i want to do and it's because we were like i need to get a job i need to get married i need to get a house i need to have kids i need to make sure that my life is still funded Mm -hmm. that we just totally let the dreams go by yeah. And now more than ever, like we're now in the moment in history where you can turn your passions into something more than just a side thing. Which is awesome. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, is awesome, but it's hard. And you know what? It's not even hard. It's risky and it's scary. Oh, yeah. But it can uh, be done. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, even then, like you don't have to, yeah, you know, you might have a passion and, you know, you might not want to get, you know, fully paid for it or that to be your career, but like learning to have like a work-life balance that allows for, you know, your hobbies and your, you know, to be able to, you know, set time every week to, you know, work Mm. on something. I play trombone. I, you know, um, you know, that's my hobby. That's what I really, really love. Um, as well as, you know, my university life, making sure I'm being paid, you know, the work I do at community radio, which I'm not paid for. Um, and you know, then the other bits and pieces that I, um, you know, I do on the side as well, as well as, you know, family and friends and bits and pieces. So what's the highlight? What do you, what do you get the most joy out of in your week? It depends. Um, you know, we had a performance the other week and I was like, that was the highlight of my week. Or I don't know whether you remember, there was a couple months ago, there was a land forces expo and there was protests mm. outside the entertainment center. I had just taken over running Tuesday Brisbane line, which is the radio show I host. Um, and so we are like, let's go and do this. And then at 12, we did an hour long special on the protests and the expo. I got out, we walked, stepped out of the studio at like 1.30. The show finished at one o'clock and we were like, this is amazing. Can we do this like every week? And obviously, you know, something on that scale doesn't happen every week. But, you know, we, we turned around and we're like, that that was awesome. You know, that's that that was the highlight. And, you know, and it, it differs from time to time. You know, there are points where making this podcast is a real chore and I've got to like really power through, especially the editing. I really don't like the editing. Mm. Um, but then there are, you know, days where that, you know, is amazing, you know, amazing. And I I listen back to the conversations I've had with people and friends and go, it's awesome. 
Uh, what mm. about you? You know, what 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 would be the highlight of your week? Uh, right now, it's going and getting a coffee every morning because that is the only like, that is the only differentiating thing that I do. Mm. Um, no, I don't know. It's increasingly. Um, yeah, I I actually don't know. I shouldn't have asked a question that I didn't have an answer <laughs> for myself. But I um. I think those days, like those big news days are fantastic. Um, you know, when you talk about the Land Forces Expo, I think back to that day that um, uh, most of Queensland lost power yeah. when there was a, um explosion at a power plant and, and being part of that story and being part of that story developing mm. um, was cool and, and, um, and how we lined that up to get that to broadcast like to get that on air and how we kept updating things mm. throughout the day was yeah, yeah like that's one of those moments where it's exactly where i want to be like telling the news is exactly where i want to be but then you know obviously the experience of childbirth was an incredible experience mm. from this year as well that it's like wow i'd relive that as well because i didn't have to do it <laughs> um and um but then yeah sometimes it's writing yeah, I'm yeah. similar with you. Like, it just depends on going on. And, and then, but, but, so to be honest, it's probably hanging out with people, um, mm. you know, whether it's having deep philosoph- philosophical conversations with my wife or going for late night walks with one of my friends yeah. from radio or um, catching up with a beer with a couple of my long-term mates who are, you know, are really high-level thinkers. Like, I mm-hmm. just like hearing where people are at. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I, I love just you know, talking to people. And I think that's half the reason why I started this podcast because I have these awesome conversations with people and it's like, well, other people need to hear this as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I love, you know, I love working creatively as well. I think working creatively has become something that a lot of the time, I you know, I've spoken to people about this before. A lot of the time, you know, parents and family members go, oh, when are you going to get a real job? Um, mm. And it's like, well, no, this can be the real job and we're allowed to have this as a real job. Um, and, I, you know, Australia, they, always the talk is, we don't have enough journalists, but, like, journalism is dying and, you know, or, you know, we, we don't need, you know, social media content creators, but, you know, there is new platforms of social media every day. And, you know, I, I think that there's this weird dichotomy and there's this assumption that, you know, creative is dying, but the creative isn't. It's just transitioning to be much more money focused yeah creative uh, creative fields are going to be a really important thing in the next decade and um i think i think there are gatekeepers that are holding on that are going to lose their power in mm. the next couple of years and i think the power that that's going to have is amazing i think the work that um companies like Substack are doing to give people who have an audience the ability to independently monetize their content through mm-hmm. newsletter and podcasts and um, that sort of thing is where I yeah I, I think we're moving. I think we've seen it in self-publishing. I think we've seen music. I think we're now starting to see it in um, analysis and news. Uh, I Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to be creating, but I think you have to be entrepreneurial in your creative. I don't think the idea, I think less and less there's going to be opportunities to companies to employ you to create for them because yeah. they're also getting on this bandwagon and they realize that they're competing with people who are doing independently. Oh yeah, 100%. I think that 
Sorry, I there was I was looking. My TikTok is covered with US people, which kind of makes me sad because there are plenty of Australian creators that you know should be there. But they were talking about the debt crisis there and talking about mm. late stage capitalism. And I think that what we're going to transition to is small scale things, and you know, small scale and nimble things that can adjust super quickly to a new situation and a new environment, which you know, I think is very important. And this is, so this is, so um, this is one of the reasons I love self-publishing and traditionally published authors really don't often like self-publishing, just as a side note. One of the things I love about self-publishing is that trends move really quickly. And so whenever something blows up, there'll be a whole like genre that comes out of it. So Twilight, vampire love stories again became popular they'd been popular decades before but they again became popular traditional publishing houses need to find authors who write them for them get the author Mm. to write them for it get it edited and then find a slot in the next three years to publish the book self-publishing you write get it edited all within months yeah and you're ahead of that curve and i think that's how quickly things are starting to move now and i think if you're not able to move with that agility then you're going to end up getting lost yeah i'm really i'm really interested foxtel released today again this was on thursday foxtel have just released their new streaming services which is just for and foxtel really interests me they seem like a company that is lost in the past but then Mm -hmm. they do just keep coming out with stuff that's pulling them through pulling them through and i'm i'm intrigued to see if people will pay eight dollars a month to have access to non-stop new streaming service like these are the things that i just think are so interesting in the coming years yeah i definitely remember like i remember when foxtel was relatively new and you know it was kind of a disruptor in the in you know the tv space and it kind of died and we forgot about it and then I've, you know, been doing quite heavy analysis on, you know, streaming video on demand services um, and, you know, Foxtel comes back up again and it's like, well, mm. you know, is Foxtel valid anymore? Does anyone still watch Foxtel? Turns out people do. And, you know, we've just, you know, kind of keep forgetting about it. Um, and and anyone that watches sport is signed up to KO. And yeah. like, it's, it's, and KO, like, KO is a beautiful app. Like, I'm really not a sports guy, but I think KO is one of the nicest streaming service apps. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think, um, I don't know. Here in Australia, it's weird because we aren't like, we don't have these huge mega institutions like, you know, their ABC and their, um, you know, CNBC and Fox News and bits and pieces, you know, these mega institutions. We've got, you know, three fairly nimble, you know, commercial news outlets, as well as our newspapers and bits and pieces, which have a fun past in history. Um, but, um, and then we've got, you know, all these small independent publications. Like, what, remember, I don't know whether you remember when Murdoch cancelled all the, like, regional newspapers here in Southeast Queensland, basically. Um, and that was a big blow. But out of that came all these other small independent, independent community, ones. Yeah. community newspapers. Um, you know, for example, in Moreton Bay, we've got this newspaper called the Moreton Daily, which has now just expanded to service the whole of the Moreton Bay region. It was just Redcliffe and North Lakes. Um, and they've got like naming rights for the stadium where the new NRL team's going to yeah. play. Um, and it's, you know, they're very nimble and very positive focus, which means that they are, you know, super critical of things and which might be, who knows, it might be a, a bit of a, 
downfall for them. But other than that, you know, they're so good at like understanding what people want and where people want it and showcasing what Morton Bay has to offer rather than, you know, a whole bunch of political garbage, which was what the local newspaper was beforehand. It's an exciting time. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Where do you intend on being at the 2032? Don't know. I do not know. Um, that, that, uh, that's a, it's something I think about and something I, um, am excited for. Mm. I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to work for the 2032 Olympics. I'd love to be part of the team that put together in some way. Um, I think that would just be a really exciting, memorable, amazing yeah. thing to be part of is, um, is being part of that story and, and yeah. I definitely think it's going to be one of the... For, like, obviously, we've got Paris in 2024 and Los Angeles in 2028. But I definitely think this is going to be, like, the first Olympics that is, like, truly post-pandemic. We won't, you know, we, we, we won't... Like, we'll be well clear of everything and it'll be in the distant, well, near future. It'll be... Yes, it won't have echoes of the pandemic um, at all. Which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to being able to have an Olympics that is in our time zone. That's what I loved about Tokyo. It's only an hour <laughs> off. That's so true. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, memes about like staying up to 5am to watch like the F1. A lot of people are apparently into the F1 at the moment. Yeah. And um, I'm like, okay, this is just normal life for Australians. If we want to watch like an international event live, we've got to be up at a ridiculous hour. I um, I can't remember what they did with Sydney, but so many decisions are made. The the broadcast time for NBC and the yeah whoever takes it UK. And so it'll be very interesting to see where they run certain gold medal events and that sort of thing. I'm really interested to see who owns the broadcasting rights for the 2032 Olympics. Yeah, that'll I be I think the way we consume television will be very different by then. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to see if someone like Netflix tries to jump in and get some kind of global broadcast deal i think yeah i think it'll be a a very interesting time like channel 7 had the broadcasting rights for this one and they don't have their own dedicated streaming service be interested to see if nine takes a jump and use and uses stan as like a factor and and uses that existing infrastructure to be able to really really like broadcast it as well obviously you know other streaming services it'd be very interesting to see who would jump on but often it's like country based as well which i think keeps the netflixes at bay from time to time yeah but the question is will it like yeah. will, like particularly like streaming services internationally really quickly now yeah and so you've got like a company like amazon could take the hit and put it on prime yeah netflix could definitely take the hit um you know does viacom cbs go in with paramount plus and say yeah we want we want and, and an then 10 takes deal. it for you know for the australia and viacom takes it for the us and then you know they've got They've got two huge Western markets, which I think is, I don't know. And they've, they've got they've got markets in the UK. That's completely my opinion, and yeah. that is definitely not me speaking on behalf of the company. Like yeah. that's in no, 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 it's just all opinion. speculation here. And I definitely, I don't know the different permutations of who owns broadcasting rights. I think it's very fascinating because you have to make a bid, and you know the the way that the bids are structured and what is emphasized in the it's. You know, Curious, intriguing to me. Mm, yeah, 
even um, the AFL Grand Final, where Seven couldn't couldn't stream it, so you could watch it yeah. on say Apple TV, but not your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that stuff is yes, a- an interesting world that I'm glad that I'm not part of. That I oh, think yes. like negotiating those sports rights would be so difficult. Oh, and because sport has such high value here in Australia, you know, mm. just so much money on the line as well. I could never imagine you know, discussing that amount of money. Um, yeah, like a, mm. a few thousand dollars is is scary enough for me, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Scotty. I've really appreciated it. No, it was it was great to chat, and it's um, it's yeah, it's cool hearing where. You're Adam. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see where you. Yeah. Um. Is there any media that you've been consuming that um you want to share? Like what I think everybody should be watching right now. Yeah. Pretty much watching, listening, reading, whatever. Um. I I've consumed a lot. <laughs> I've consumed a lot. Um. In the last couple of months, as you. Um. Okay. Let's go through a few things that are at top of mind right now. If you haven't watched the morning show on Apple TV, you <gasps> should be catching up with that so right much. now. Yeah. Um. Only Murders in the Building, which is on Disney, is uh is our current bigger dick. And also, uh, while you're there, um, Murders, one of us is lying, has just started on Stan a hundred percent. Oh wow. Um, okay. When it comes to reading if you're a brisbane person if you are brisbane and you love brisbane particularly if you went to high school in brisbane um rhiannon wilde has just released her book henry hamlet's heart um just came out through uq press and it is just like it is so disgustingly brisbane i feel like it was written about my childhood oh no so go and read it it's it's a hundred percent like top top marks for it um yeah i think i I think You'll like it. I'm the same as you. I, I really enjoyed. Like I like I don't know, I feel like so many people are so like are so like, oh so glad I'm in high school anymore. I really enjoyed my high school days. Yeah, there were there were ups and downs. I think that you know, I, I did the musicals when I was in high school as well, um, playing trombone and you know, those three or four months that, you know, for every second year for the last four years of my my time in school were just amazing senses of community and you know, it was just awesome. Um and where can people find you on social media? Um, TikTok obviously is the main one. I'm mm-hmm. Scotty underscore McDonald there, but Instagram as well, Scotty McDonald. Please do follow me there, even though I slammed it. <laughs> I do, I do want, I do want to love Instagram. Um, and my website, ScottyMcDonald.com, um, is uh, is my mailing list for the book, mm. which should hopefully come out in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about it. It's set in Brisbane, which is probably why I'm so excited. About it. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, perfect. Like, Brisbane's, like, very picturesque at the moment. The jacarandas are in full bloom. Although, mm. all the flowers would have fallen off with the rain this morning. Um, oh, yeah. How depressing. I know. It's, like, they've finally come to full bloom and we just had a round of storms come through. It's terrible. Yeah. Can't take oh, yeah. those lovely photos anymore. I think the last photo on my Instagram is of a jacaranda tree. I'll change yeah. that before this episode comes back. <laughs> um, and you've got a podcast yourself as well. Yeah, the Brisbane is Weird podcast, which it's the same as what you say. It's so much yeah. work. I don't know. Like, I I love 
a finished Brisbane is Weird podcast. I love talking to people about what they think of the stories. Um, mm. But, man, it's so much work. It's, editing a podcast is so much more work than what I tell people it is. Like, I tell people all the time, start a podcast. So easy. So easy to get you. But editing a podcast is so much work. Um, yeah. But, yes, after after whinging about it, I will tell you that you can go find it um, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or brisbaneisweird.com. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I'm Sam. Uh, you can find me at um, Sam OB Journalist on Twitter and Sam the dot Journalist on TikTok on and Instagram. Um, I'm going to plug. Wow. Um, actually, I'm going to plug the Facebook page Shit Towns of Australia. They've just finished their regional rankings, um, and they are um, about to do their national rankings of like the worst. Theoretically, the worst towns in Australia. People like just vote the ones, whatever they. What's Queensland? Like. Where's Queensland at, at the moment? Like, where's we've got the, two um- Caboolture's. Um, so we've got Caboolture for um, shittest suburb and Caboolture for shittest town as well. Um, which oh. I don't know how Logan got beat out. Um, everyone's very sad that Logan isn't in the competition because we'd like to bag out Logan. But um, I'm kind of glad that Caboolture's gotten some representation because. Um, it's definitely well known for the dodgy things that happen there. You'd be down the road from Kibbutz right now. So, I'm, I'm very well versed and scared of Kibbutz. Um, <laughs> if I, if I, you've got to have a healthy amount of fear for the suburb, um, because otherwise it will hurt you. But yeah, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I, um, will hope, hopefully we'll get you back on, uh, another stage. It'd been awesome to chat to you. Yeah, you too, man. It was great to uh, it was great to come on. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Content and Capable. You can follow the podcast socials at Content, the letter N, Capable on Instagram and Twitter. You can send a super boring email to us through contentandcapablepod at gmail.com. The art was done by Opia. You can follow them on Opia underscore art on Instagram. Opia is spelled O-P-I-A feel free to message them about making art for your project. Our music was written, recorded, and edited by Nora Strauss-Reeds. You can find Nora at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. I am proud to be a part of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features Of the Eldest Gods, a chapter-by-chapter Rick Riordan pod full of myths and legends, My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast that follows the true hero of Avatar, The Last Airbender, The Cabbage Cart Guy, Fandoms Gone Wrong, a show that discusses all things fandoms, The Movie Night Crew, join some friends as they react to some terrible, some meh, and some really great movies, and The Restricted Section, a chapter-by-chapter Harry Potter pod with lots of spoilers all the time. What's up, potheads? It's me, your host, Christina. Welcome to The Restricted Section. No, we're not in Hogwarts. It's like a metaphor. Do you get it? Like, we're raunchy, and we get drunk, and we make sex jokes, and we have an all-spoilers-all-the-time policy, so, you know, it's like the restricted section. I've been told that explaining jokes makes them funnier. If you've ever wondered how the Marauders map actually works, if you've ever thought that maybe Snape sometimes wears jeans, if you've ever thought that Draco and Harry are for sure in love, I mean they're for sure in love. If you've ever had a hard time deciding who you'd rather bang, Bill or Charlie, obviously Charlie, then this podcast is for you. You don't even have to do the reading, we'll do it for you. 
Catch the Restricted Section every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and find us online at Restricted Section Pod. Content and Capable is a podcast all about answering the question, how do you adult? Don't forget to rate and review it on your favorite podcatcher, and I will see you next Monday for another episode. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.